What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and I'm happy to be joined here today through the phone with Hayden Cheryl. Hayden, thanks for coming on. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It has. It's been a little bit. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a guy on the podcast talking about NBA free agency in the draft, and it was before the draft or before free agency took place. And almost every question I asked him regarding next season, he always his same response was, well, we'll just have to see how free agency shakes out. And now that free agency has shaken out, a lot of surprises have come up, a lot of things that we may have expected, may not have expected. Um, Hayden, what was the biggest surprise for you so far in the NBA uh, during free agency? I think it's hard not to say that the Paul George trade was a huge surprise, just mm-hmm. because, I mean, there's some surprises that are, you know, you know, you got big contracts with like Chris Middleton and stuff, but that's the only one where I really could not have seen anybody predicting Paul George to the Clippers, um, especially when you pair it with Kawhi's move and then think about the amount of picks given up uh, in return for Paul George. Mm-hmm. It, that was, that was a move that I was, I was, that was a moment where I was blown away uh, as it popped up on my phone. Yeah, no, I remember, um, I think you sent me a text right when it happened or you FaceTime me or something. And then like three minutes later, the Paul George trade goes through and it was just like, okay, that's crazy. Cause I mean, in my mind, and I've said this before, um, you know, to you and, and on the podcast, but the, I like the move that Kawhi Leonard did um, going from the Raptors to the Clippers because the Clippers are essentially the Raptors only a couple of years younger. Absolutely. And so like getting a guy like Paul George to pair with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it, people have talked about it before. I've seen it on social media, Twitter, all that stuff. But we're introducing the the duo era. It's no longer the super team. But you've got at least 12 really good duos together. And I think duos are a lot more going to be a lot more fun to watch because it spreads the league out a little more. It makes you think about pairing rather than just trying to load your roster with as many names as possible. Mm. Really trying to build build around two players and two specific strength sets i think it's going to be interesting and this clippers team is going to uh, be kind of the the guinea pig for that and it should go well for them yeah no i think they're they're one of the few teams that um you know has a duo but also has a lot of guys with a whole lot of potential they're built well around them yeah Mm -hmm. and i think one of the things um because i've heard a lot um here we, we can i mean we can go into this right now um there's been a lot of talk about you know, obviously in the offseason, the Lakers gave up a lot for Anthony Davis. So now it's Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, for the Lakers, you know, paired with going up against this Clippers team. And there's been a lot of conversation ever since those moves have been made of which team is better in L.A. Um, in your mind, which team is the better L.A. team right now? This is a challenging question because on one hand, I do think that the Lakers have the better um, have the better starting lineup. And I think they definitely have the better duo. I'm taking LeBron and AD over Kawhi and Paul George. Definitely. Um, especially, especially considering the offensive side of the ball. When you think of the defensive side of the ball, I don't think there's a better pairing in the league than, um, than George and Kawhi. But at the same time, if there's, if there's anybody to compete with them, it's AD and LeBron. But when we look at the bench between these two teams, uh, the Clippers are rocking the number one and number two six man of the year candidates from from the previous NBA season um, and still some pretty good depth there really nice defensive depth uh, on the Clippers whereas when you look at the Lakers they, they've lost uh, pieces like Lonzo uh, from their starting lineup they lost like Josh Hart Brandon Ingram and and they they've gained a lot defensively as well uh, in 
you know, Danny Green's still a defensive 3 and D player. Avery Bradley can play D at the 2. And, of course, Anthony Davis can play defense. But when we look at the defensive side of the ball uh, especially, I think the Clippers have an edge and depth, and their starting lineup is competitive enough with the Lakers, and, and it's younger um, that I think it's going to be more sustainable uh, long-term for a, for a full 82-game season. Yeah, and that's the thing I think a lot of people overlook when you're comparing the Lakers and Clippers because, I mean, on paper, or you know, at least offensively, which is what most people look towards, it's close. Yeah, it, it's close, but you're going to want to take LeBron and Anthony Davis because those guys can give you – they can put up massive numbers on any given night. But I think we overlook the defensive side of the ball. Like you mentioned, I mean, you've got very talented defenders um, for the Clippers. I think four of them have a really good chance to be all-NBA first-team defense. I mean, you've got Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Montrez Harrell, Kawhi Leonard, guys like that. Um, and, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, the Lakers can score more. Well, yeah, that may be true because you've got, you know, they've signed a bunch of weapons, uh, like you mentioned, um, including DeMarcus Cousins. But on def- on the defensive side of the ball, are they, are they going to get stops when they have to? And that's the thing that we've seen, especially this year with a lot of teams. Like, I mean, you look at the Raptors last year. They played great together as a team, um, and they got a lot of defensive stops when they needed to. And I feel like that is probably what's going to make the difference. And And like you mentioned earlier, this Clippers team is built – very similarly to that Raptors team, which allowed Kawhi to flourish. And I don't think Kawhi's going to have any trouble uh, on the offensive side of the ball, sharing a little bit with Paul George, who's a, you know, a little bit more of an outside shooter than Kawhi is and a, a, a slightly smaller player. And then you got some guys like Lou Will coming off the bench that can, I mean, this is, it's not like this Clippers team's anything shabby offensively. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about, I mean, Patrick Beverly's not a defender, but Lou Will, Lou Will coming off, uh, coming off the bench. Landry Shamit can shoot, um, and then of course our, our pair of of George and Kawhi is I mean that's that's a deadly scoring attack just on those four alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think they're anything shabby there either, and it's hard not to pick against this Clippers team as the best team in the league right now. We'll have to see if they can play together in the same way that Raptors were able to play together. So when we and the other thing that I look at uh, between these two teams and around the league is age. And, I mean, the amount of young pieces that this Clippers team has, like I was just talking about Shamit, and then we got Zubach and Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. Like, there's age and, and veteran players like like uh, Lou Will and, and Kawhi on this team, but there's a lot of youth, and I think that's going to help them, um, just you know, be resilient. Anthony Davis had a lot of injury questions, but there's not been a lot of injury questions with any of these players on this other L.A. team. Yeah, no, and, and like I mentioned before, the NBA is shifting towards uh, duo-focused teams. Uh, and uh, a couple of days ago, Colin Cowherd released his top 10 NBA duos. And there were a few... Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, a few a few misses there um, I was so, surprised to see. Uh, so I I went back and, and watched that video again mm-hmm. um, just, to, just to listen to kind of Colin's parameters for how he was deciding these duos. And the reason he... I mean, I'm going to spoil it right off the bat. The reason he doesn't put KD and Kyrie in this video is because of KD's, uh, you know, his injury and the fact that he could be out for the whole season. So yeah. he doesn't feel like that's worthy of being included yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we go into some other ones. Well, you can go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and list them off real fast. So uh, 10, uh, a little bit of a joke there, Westbrook in the ball. Uh, 9, Antetokounmpo and Middleton. 8, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum. 7, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell. Six, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis. Five, Lillard McCollum. Four, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. Three, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. 
two, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and then one, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So at a first glance, uh, Russell Westbrook and the ball at number 10 is a little, uh, that's a little gimmicky from Colin. I think that that's why he put that in there. Um, there's a, sort of the, the I, I sent you a text after this, and the three that I had a question about, the three pairs that I thought should have been on here, um, of course, were Kyrie and KD. And then we also look at Simmons and Embiid mm-hmm. and James Paul and Chris and uh, James Paul. Chris Paul and James Harden. Um, and the reason that he says he doesn't have these guys on here is he doesn't have faith in the relationships between Simmons and Embiid and Paul and Harden. Um, which I thought was very interesting and a good point. Although I I, I still tend to lean towards. I mean, you've got to have uh, Paul and Harden. I think at least at number ten, just because James Harden's on that duo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got uh, and it's it's Kubo and Middleton. And Middleton's a, you know he's an all star player, but we look at James Paul and uh, James Paul. What am I <laughs> doing? <laughs> oh man! But we look, at, but we look at Chris Paul and James Harden, and I mean. Come, come on, Colin. You got you got to have him at least number ten on this list. I think they're also above pairs like uh, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, um, Kemba and Kemba and Tatum. I think is well placed here. Luca and Kristaps. We've never seen them play together, so even though I'm a fan of the duo, I, I'd, I'd probably bump them down a little bit. And then for me, I like the top five, but I think you have to put uh, LeBron and AD at 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 least number two. They're arguably Agreed. the best. Yeah. But Curry, Curry and Clay just aren't quite there. They do have the best chemistry of any pair on this list, but I'd still bump them down to number three, especially when you know we're considering KD's injury. Let's talk about Clay's injury. Like, exactly, that's going to yeah. be a pretty significant injury this season. We don't know how that's going to come, how he's going to come back from that. But I still put him above uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic just because of Murray's uh, inconsistency and defensive uh, weakness. Yeah, well, I was surprised that. Um, that he put Lillard, Lillard and McCollum behind Murray and Jokic because, yeah. because I mean, they, they beat him in the playoffs. That should give them an edge. I mean, they obviously have really great chemistry. They play off, off of each other really well. Um, and I agree with you. I think if you're going to take out Kevin Durant for Kyrie Irving, then or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because of the injury, then you have to take away Curry and Thompson too. At now, least bump them down because the injury is less significant, sure, but He's still gonna be out for a while. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, I guess he gives him extra points for chemistry. But if I'm taking a duo right now, you know, I'm LeBron James and Anthony Davis is a very attractive option for so many reasons. More so, I would say than than Curry and Thompson. I mean, I understand their style of play allows them to stretch out their prime a little bit more because obviously, you're, you're, when you're shooting a lot of threes, you're not taking a lot of hard physical hits like LeBron and Anthony Davis are. But I I don't know. If I I the top five isn't terrible, I would probably put I would switch Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and and Curry Thompson, um, and then switch four and five as well. But I mean the rest of it, it's kind of tough because you look at here, you've got one, two, three, uh, four, five new duos that we haven't even seen before. So it's 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 honestly really tough to rank them. But yeah, I think the whole, especially the thing with Westbrook and the ball, I think that was. Uh, it was a little bit of a gimmick, but it was also his way of saying that he, I guess, really doesn't like James Harden and Chris Paul. He doesn't like that combination, um, which is which works as a great transition point. Um, a couple weeks ago, there was a lot of drama that was brought up between James Harden and Chris Paul, and apparently they were looking at shopping um, Chris Paul because obviously you want to hang on to a guy like James Harden. Um, do you think that – because obviously in the recent weeks the rumors have died down. Do you think there's a chance that he's they're still looking on the market for him, or is he – um, is he going to stay in Houston? They're going to try and run it back. 
Uh, I mean, I think at this point we're getting a little late uh, asset-wise to try to sell um, sell Chris Paul. I think James Harden was a big recruiter for Chris Paul, and their relationship, while people, the only people that I've heard any kind of negativity about the relationship from has been the press. I haven't heard anybody on the team, uh, even the two. I saw a comment recently after it happened. I think it was Bleacher Report or ESPN put out a put out a post about, oh, like is is Chris Paul on the market? Things seem testy between him and James Harden. And he commented on the post on Instagram straight up and was like, uh, I, or this is news to me or something. So either either there's a lot going on behind his back or this is just kind of something that's getting blown out of proportion by the media, which I think I tend to lean towards the second option because, uh, I mean, at this point, if James Harden really wanted to get rid of Chris Paul, he'd have already done so. And I haven't seen really that many problems with their relationship chris paul is uh you know to the press denied any relationship issues james harden hasn't said anything um but people have also said that that the relationship's unsalvageable so i don't know it's it, it, i guess we'll have to see i mean james harden's if james harden and chris paul are still on this roster together come next season so i think if these two are still on the roster come come game one that him or me ultimatum that supposedly was put out is just a myth and I don't see a lot of stock behind it. Yeah, another guy that um, has been making rumors this this past few days, Russell Westbrook. And it seems like there is somewhat of a market for him. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that's really hit or miss. Um, in my mind, if you can find the right situation to put him in, I think he can really blossom. Um, but I don't think that's on the Oklahoma City Thunder because he's nearing the end of his prime. He needs another another guy to be with him. Um, because Danilo Gallinari is not it. Steven Adams is not it. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is not it. Yeah, Shea Gilgis. He's, I mean, the in the trade, getting a guy like Shea Gilgis to pair with Dennis Schroeder, the Thunder were basically saying, all right, we're good at point guard. Now we can move on from Russell Westbrook. Um, is there how, – how much of a market do you think there is for him, and where do you think he's most likely going to end up? Uh, I think there's a market there for him. I think he's worth his money on a right team. And I think he's the kind of player that, you know, if you if you have him and you're a team that doesn't have a ton of assets, he can really maximize those assets mm-hmm. into in the win column. Um, so the teams that have been the most prominent uh, names as destination points for Westbrook have been the Heat, Pistons, and Magic. Mm-hmm. And among those three, it sounds like Miami is where Westbrook would like to be. He have Jimmy Butler to play with, and they have a lot of expiring contracts coming up, some money. Um so if they want to make another splash, that'd be a big move for the Heat, and I think I think they have the money for it on their on their cap right now. If they don't, I'm sure they can move some stuff around. As for the Pistons, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest there on either side. Pistons would be kind of a weird fit at this point. Um, the Magic would be a not you know not too bad of a fit. They, they have some star power in Vucevic and the money and young young assets to do it, but. I'd say the Heat are the most likely landing point. And if, if, if Oklahoma City can get a nice return on this, their offseason becomes, you know, I think one of the better offseasons this year. Well, and, I mean, to go off that too, if the Miami Heat can get a guy like Russell Westbrook, then their their offseason is considered one of the better ones we've seen in a while. Because if you think about it, going into this offseason, they had massive contracts with guys like Hassan Whiteside, Kelly Olynyk, Deion Waiters, Josh Richardson, all those guys – who I mean are decent players, but they were they were the worst team that was so close to luxury tax because of 
you know, when the salary cap spiked a couple years back, they signed a bunch of guys to big deals because uh, they expected to go up and it didn't. Goran Dragic, Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if they're able to move all these pieces around and get Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook, I mean, that, in my mind, that puts them top six in the East, I think, with those two guys. And you know they're going to get the most out of their team because uh, Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook are known to have extremely fiery tempers. Um, and I'm honestly excited. If they can... I'm all for them going to the Heat. I mean, you look, if they go to the Magic, it gives a guy, it gives less pressure on Markel Fultz to develop because, you know, he's still down there and, and he's considered a project, but that gives him a lot less pressure to uh, get a lot of playing time right away. If you go to the Pistons, you can put him with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, which I think would be an outstanding matchup or outstanding pairing or triplet of, of players. But the best spot just feels like Miami. I mean, you obviously have a guy like Pat Riley who's been in the basketball game for so many years, um, you know, and he's, he's seen so many teams, so many egos. Uh, he seems like the perfect guy, uh, the perfect fit for Russ Westbrook to end his career, or at least, you know, move out of his prime and into the twilight of his career. Um, and I don't know. I think that if you can, if you can turn guys like what the Miami heat had into Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, I mean, that's gotta be considered a pretty successful off season. Yeah, I'd say I'd say they're already a French playoff team with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Any team you add Russell Westbrook to um, becomes a you know you're adding ten fifteen wins just like that. And if we can get any chemistry out of those two, they could be a force in the East for sure. Especially with that the East being kind of top heavy um, in a sense. Something that I was that I wanted to bring up with you. Um, so the Celtics uh, they had a you know they had an interesting draft. Um, with their number sixteen pick, they took what's his name, Gershon Yabaselli. Is that his name? Well, no, that was um, that was we took him in a couple years ago, twenty seven. Yeah, like two years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or three years ago. Something How old like that. that? Yeah, two or three. It was something like that. Twenty sixteen. He's, he's a big boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so he's been kind of all over Twitter with his uh, with yeah, with his you know size, and and so he got waived to make room for Taco Fall. And so now we got Taco Fall on the summer league team. How do you feel like he shakes out? I just think, I mean, look, here's the thing. In today's age um, with with social media and um, what we're able to do with Instagram and Twitter, I think guys tend to get overhyped a lot. I mean, honestly, even if we were back in the 80s, a guy who was seven foot six, there would have been a place from the NBA. And, like, I understand he's got a lot of size, and he obviously has that raw talent there. But I just don't know if that's the right move for the Celtics, per se, because um, he struggles to move laterally. That's going to be <laughs> an issue, especially with um, when you get to guarding craftier centers. I mean, obviously, he'll be playing the backup guy, so he'll have an easier time. Um, I mean, I'm not completely against the move. I think it's there's a lot of potential there. Yabuselli obviously was um, a big piece of our team as far as chemistry-wise um, and, and you know overall locker room presence. I'm not. I'm not terribly against the move. Um, I also, I mean, going back to the Celtics draft for a minute here, I am a little bit confused why we decided to take so many undersized guards. I mean, I I know that we um, weren't expecting Kyrie Irving to come back, and you know, obviously we got Kemba Walker, which big props to Danny Ainge for turning something into nothing or something out of nothing. But uh, Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards are both, you know, barely pushing over six feet tall, if even that, and Kemba Walker isn't very tall either. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what Brad Stevens will do with the roster like this of undersized guards. And then, I mean, 
we definitely have a lot of talent all the way across the board. I think a lot of people were uh, were concerned on on how we looked coming up to this next year, obviously because Al Horford left, Kyrie Irving left. Um, you know, obviously a lot of displeasure there, but I feel like people forget Paul George wasn't great his first year after he broke his leg. Uh, you know, we have to wait for a, with a guy like Gordon Hayward. He's not out of his prime yet. Like, I think he can still come back to at least a, a, a piece of what he was, which was an all-star. And you've got young guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, who are still developing. I mean, they, they're not even 22 years old yet. Uh, and they've got a lot of time to grow. And especially when you pair it with Carson Edwards was my favorite player in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he's oh, the man. most. I, I, we love Carson. Edwards. Yeah. We like, he yeah, was, what did he have like 20, 25 points in his first, in his like, yesterday's summer league yeah, game? Yeah. Shot five or six from three <laughs> scoring 25 points. I mean, dude's a shooter. He's, he's essentially another Kemba Walker, right? He's like, he's a yeah. bit undersized, but he's extremely crafty. I mean, he can work on his defense. He can work on his playmaking. There's, I mean, there's, there's yeah, a lot say, of things. I'd say he's more of a shooter than, than playmaker, but yeah, he's, he's, he's for the second round. He's a, he's value. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of, of, um, of talent there across the board. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously a little biased. What did you think of the Celtics offseason as far as the moves they made and the players they lost? I mean, it's, it's hard because when you lose a player like Kyrie, um, you know, immediately people are gonna are gonna point to your off season and say, "Well, they weren't successful in hanging on to their stars." Um, you know, they're. The, I thought they had a good draft. Uh, who they grab? They grab Romeo Langford, um, and he's not playing this summer league, is he? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't believe so. Because they're, you know, they they wanted to project protect him, which is a whole another thing. Um, and then I, I feel like just. The, the biggest thing that Brad Stevens looks for in um, in beefing up his team in an offseason is just providing depth. I mean, these Celtics teams have always had a really a really good amount of depth and not just not losing depth and just essentially swapping out Kemba, who's a better leader. You know, obviously he's not the player that Kyrie is, but he's a better leader mm-hmm. um, and he's still a playmaker for a player like Kyrie and preserving your depth, adding some nice young talent in the draft. Um, with players that are like Romeo Langford's like a high, uh, high floor, or I mean, a high, high ceiling and fairly high floor player. Um, I think that the Celtics did well enough to, to keep themselves in that top five in the East, uh, range top four, maybe if, you know, if they have gel well in the offs in, uh, you know, coming out of this off season. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I trust Brad Stevens ability to lead a team. It obviously came under question last year, uh, in large part, because Kyrie was so outspoken, but I agree with you. Kemba's definitely a better leader. And honestly, if you think about it, he's not going to cause a lot of trouble because he wasn't exactly winning a whole lot of games with the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, these words could come back to bite me, but you would think a guy like him would, would be excited to join a winning team. And it's not necessarily going to take it over due to the fact that he didn't have a lot of success before. I mean, Kyrie Irving was winning championships with LeBron before he came to Boston. So obviously there was that, sense of arrogance there that he'd done it before and he's been there before, but I don't even think Kemba's been out of the first round of the playoffs, you know? So like, obviously love that signing, but let's, let's transition. Yeah. yeah let's, let's transition here a little bit uh, from, from the Celtics. Cause you, you know, I could talk about them all day. Um, Al Horford, Al Horford, Rest in peace. that, that was really tough for me personally, just because I, I think that's the bigger loss. Oh no, definitely. As far as locker room presence overall, um, versatility yeah like what what he was able to do shutting down Joel Embiid Giannis 
I mean, it's definitely especially overlooked. losing him to the Sixers. Yeah, I mean. that's that just makes it all all the worse. Um, I I was hoping there was some way we could have figured out to to work it in our our system to get him back, but I mean, he obviously didn't want to come back. I don't know if it was necessarily a sense of the Celtics wanting to get rid of him, more so him just being ready to move on. Which I mean, I respect that. And the three years he was with us were, you know, some some really good years, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so that that's a little that's a little bit of a sore subject for me, a bit of an open wound, um, especially going to the seven sixers. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Sorry, man. We, we had bad, to we bad. had to do it. Um, like a bandaid. Honestly, just had to rip it off. Let's see. I mean, there's obviously more we could talk about. Talk about the Brooklyn Nets signing Kevin oh. Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. Um, that's gonna be an interesting one. I don't I don't know how it's gonna work out. I mean. A really big part of me, like I mean, this is this is tough to say because it's easy to to just hate from a distance, but um, make like the moves that they made, both Kyrie and Kevin Durant and their careers. I almost don't want it to succeed just because. <laughs> I just I don't know. I I think that I'm still not sold on Kevin Durant. I mean, obviously he showed a lot of heart, but I'm still stuck in the idea that look on the Warriors, on any given night, like he could be the third worst like the the third offensive player from their mind and he's probably guarding the worst or second to worst player every night which makes it so much easier for you to you know not only preserve your career but uh put up put up big numbers like he has and with Kyrie Irving obviously having minimal uh minimal success on his own and calling out teammates and that sort of thing i i feel like they're going to butt heads honestly it could work oh, out. It's gonna work out amazingly well, or it's gonna work out terribly. And I, I mean, we won't know until it happens. But um, I mean, how about the Nets, though? Honestly, just being able to sign the two of those guys compared to where they were just a few years ago is honestly. I don't know insane. how you get to that point. I mean, the 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 Knicks are kicking their own butts right now. They're although, oh, sorry, I hate to tangent here, but I think the Knicks played this offseason. I'm going to be the only person that says this, but I think they played it tremendously. No, I, I, I 100% agree. If you're not going to be able to get the big, stars. if you're not, if you can't sign anybody, get these big, quick dump contracts. Oh man! Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry. Back to the Nets. We um, can we can touch on the Knicks in a bit. We'll yeah, come back we'll to touch on the, the Knicks in a second. Um, I I really like them. They also grabbed Garrett Temple to back up um, Jared Allen at center, mm-hmm. which is a you know he can shoot uh, or uh, not Jared Allen. Um, oh, um, Allen. Wait, no, DeAndre Jordan. Good. The Nets signed Garrett. The Nets signed Garrett Temple, who's um, who's a you know he's one of those he's one of those guys that was a cornerstone um, with the Clippers. He's, he's a smart guy, good leader, and, and he can hit the three all right. And so I think some of these smaller moves just solidify. Because I mean, besides besides KD and Kyrie, this this Nets team has some nice young talent, but needs Definitely. to kind of fill out the edges depth wise. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I think I think just the little moves like that, retaining everybody that they had, um, you know, besides D'Lo, of course, um, was, you know, a best case scenario for them outside of, you know, obviously the best case scenario in signing two max elite all star players. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if these two are going to be able to work together in in Brooklyn. It's definitely going to be a challenge, um, ego wise and also also play style wise because they both they both like the ball in their hands a lot uh Kyrie's a lot different than Curry in that sense so we'll see I mean they're definitely going to put up numbers like don't get me wrong but 
and they're going to be a playoff team. But in the playoffs, I think it's going might be a different story. Yeah. So let's say hypothetically, uh, Kevin Durant comes back from his injury. Um, everything's healthy, like they're all good. Where do you rank them, the two of them, as a duo? Maybe from let's not do like chemistry wise, but like just from a pure talent standpoint, where do they rank as far as the best duos in the NBA right now? I think they're right behind LeBron and AD. I still take LeBron and AD because uh, I think I think LeBron's you know top two player in the league, and and KD coming off of injury, it's not always the same, so he's gonna have to re-solidify himself as a top top three, top two player in the league, mm-hmm. and then Kyrie. Um, Kyrie's not quite the offensive player that AD is um, in, in the sense that Kyrie is the craftiest player in the league, but AD puts up big numbers and he's, he's a more of a, he's more of a force in similar to KD is. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if we just go head to head and try to compare these guys, either way, either, either way you put it, uh, AD and LeBron are the, are the winning matchup. However, I put them over KD and Curry because I mean, however, I put them over clay and Curry because, um, I feel like even though Clay's such a defensive stopper, his his offensive game is limited in a, in a way that KD and Kyrie are not as limited. So that's where I put him as number three, assuming uh, KD comes back at least in a normal, uh, you know, in a normal timetable and recovery. Not coming back a hundred percent right right at first, but at least enough where he's serviceable and and back to the kind of player that he was. Yeah, I mean a seventy five percent. Kevin Durant is better than a lot of players in the NBA right now. 75% Kevin Durant is still a top 10 player in the league. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about uh, the the Golden State Warriors. So they did a little sign-in oh, trade with uh, with the Nets for Kevin Durant, and they got D'Angelo Russell, which is quite the consolation prize. Um, I yeah. was I was genuinely shocked. Like I, I There were rumors about it I was reading about, uh, something like that potentially happening, and then all of a sudden the Warriors now have D'Angelo Russell. Um, that's another one of the teams that there's been a lot of misconceptions about, um, you know, obviously losing Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson's injured, but they've still got, you know, and losing Andre Godala. They just released Sean Livingston. Um, this is essentially a whole new team, uh, it is from, from what we saw last year, but I feel like people overlook just how good they still are. I mean, they're a very talented team that, I mean, you take out clay, you give us a, a, a combo of, of uh, Steph Curry and D. Lowe, that's a top ten duo in the league right now, and they've got a lot of young talent. Obviously, they have a talented front office and can spot a lot of talent. I mean, you know, they 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 lost Quinn Cook, obviously, but they've drafted guys like Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, Jordan Bell. Uh, they drafted Jordan Poole this year, who I'm really excited about out of Michigan. I feel like he's mm-hmm. a really he's a really bouncy player, and um, he's got a lot of potential. Um, where where do the Warriors sit for you right now in the West? See, here's the thing: is the West is really, I think this is the West's deepest year, um, probably, in, you know, in the last couple decades. Um, there's really only two teams in the West that you that you that you could automatically eliminate for playoff contention, and that's Phoenix and Memphis. You know, they're they're not and, going well, anywhere. And I mean, they even they even look good. I mean, they don't look that bad. The, the, no, the Suns not. got Rubio. Like they finally have a point guard, and Memphis has just been loading up on guys. I mean, Dwight Howard, Andre Godala, a Jonas Valanciunas, yeah, Triple J, Jer- um, uh, John Morant. Like they're the two of them. Honestly, look good too. If it wasn't for the West being so stacked, they might win 30, 35 games. And, and then we dive in. The Jazz got better this off season. Mm-hmm. The Blazers got slightly better this off season. Yeah. The Lakers obviously got better. The Mavs got better this off season. 
with Porzingis recovering, and the Pelicans, of course, got better this offseason. It's a whole new team. So, yeah, we have a new Pelicans. So, so with, with that, the Lakers were – I mean, the uh, the Warriors are in a tough spot to compete for – you know, it's going to be – it's not going to be the same Warriors uh, at the top of the table all the time. In my opinion, I think people, people that are putting them out of the playoffs or at the 7 or 8 seed are putting them – you know, 7 and 8 seed is a little more realistic. I think out of the playoffs is unrealistic. People forget that Steph Curry was a unanimous MVP and is the greatest three-point shooter of all time in addition to phenomenal playmaking. And D'Lo is, you know, he's not too shabby either. The only thing that's going to limit them is their depth. They're they're not as deep as they used to be because they they lost some on the top end. Um, and they lost some depth like in Iguodala and um, who else did they lose? Sean Livingston, yeah. Quinn Cook. And, and Quinn, Quinn Cook. And they lost some depth in and they lost some depth in Iguodala, Quinn Cook, and then just just recently Sean Livingston to save you know, five million dollars. So I don't know if they're going after somebody that's still out there or what, but I think their depth's going to live with them. But I still think that they're a, I think they're I think they're a top five to five or six team in this you know in this day and age in in the West. I'd put them. I, I have to put them behind the Clippers. I got to put them behind the Rockets. I put them above the Thunder. I put them above the Spurs. Um, I'm putting them behind the Nuggets, and then besides that, I think probably Blazers, uh, Blazers, Lakers, and Jazz. Two of those teams will be above them, and one of them will be below them. So that puts them about, you know, five or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, okay. So this is this is going to be my hot take. Uh, you you guys can quote me on this. I don't know how true it's oh, going to be. Boy. I just have I just have a feeling. Because uh, honestly, we were talking about this last night. People are sleeping on Steph Curry. Like people genuinely forget that he is a very, very good basketball player. And so because of that, this is my prediction for next year. Next year, Steph Curry will be an MVP finalist. I'm not saying he's going to win MVP. He's top three. I'm saying he's going to be top three in the MVP conversation because he's going to wake a lot of people up. I think he's going to revamp his – like this is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to Steph Curry because he's obviously won the championships – um, but he's dealt with a lot of scrutiny from people saying that, you know, well, he's he's had it easy because he's had Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Well, guess what? He's not going to have him next year. And guess what? He's still going to be really good at the game of basketball. So I am genuinely excited to watch uh, Steph Curry play by himself, have to carry a team um, and do really well because I think he will. Um, OK, so let's let's keep moving here. Uh, let's go. But let's go to the Knicks. We talked about the Knicks before. Uh you touched on it for just a second, but I mean, I'm with you. I really like the offseason that they had um, signing, you know, the, a lot of good quality guys to to short deals. Um, but my favorite was Julius Randle. I mean, he's one of my oh, yeah. he's one of my like most underrated players in the NBA. He, he averaged, I think, 21 points last season, eight rebounds. And he's I mean, he's good. He's a good player. And the Knicks were able to get him uh, for a two two plus player option. Um but yeah, what, what? Why do you like the Knicks offseason so much? What What was your favorite part about it? Um, I I think that you know, outside of being able to sign a, a player, a player like Kevin, I think outside of being able to sign a player like Kevin Durant and or Kyrie Irving, um, especially Katie's coming off an injury. They said they weren't willing to max him. I think that was a little silly. But I, no, um, I think I think that was James Dolan trying to save face. Yeah, yeah, we didn't want him anyways coming off of an injury. When in reality, <laughs> he just didn't want to give him the time of day. I feel like that's more of what that was. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and so well, they've recently dumped some contracts. They dumped Lee and Hardaway's contract and Porzingis's contract, technically, in the Porzingis <laughs> trade. Um, 
which, you know, are, are con- you know, the first two are contracts that you're not really looking to have on your, on your roster. Um, and so then they go into here with a clean slate. They strike out big because uh, no one wants to go to the Knicks. And so that they, they set themselves up for a whole nother at bat next season in grabbing all their signings behind Julius Randle are one or two year, uh, second year team option deals, low money, uh, just depth guys, and so they have this. They have this foundation set up now. The guys that play well and are good values, they can hang on to as a team. But the rest of them, they can just dump and go after one or two big creators again next year. And next year is the year of Giannis, I believe. So who knows? But I think that they're 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 setting themselves up well to suck again, get get some more good picks, and have another chance. And I mean, honestly, it hindsight's always twenty twenty. But you can look back at the. Uh at the Porzingis trade and say that it was a bad move. And I, I think most, you know, the, most people in the Knicks organization, whether or not they would say it would agree, because if you hold on to Porzingis, I mean, obviously you don't get Dennis Smith jr. I forget who else, who all they got in the trade. DeAndre. Yeah. That, that was like, that was the main guy they got, but you look at yeah. the youth that they have. I mean, they're not doing that bad. You know, you've got Alonzo Trier, Obviously, you just drafted oh, R.J. Barrett. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's really good. You have Kevin Knox. I mean, you would pair that with Chris Tapps. It makes it a more attractive place to play, in my mind. You know, if you have if you have a guy like uh, Porzingis, who, you know, who's been very talented for a lot of years, is I mean, I wouldn't call him a veteran per se, but he obviously has a lot more experience than the younger guys. But you pair a, a star talent with youth, and I think, you know, there's a chance that they'd want to go there. Uh, they'd be more likely to go there, but obviously, you know, signing Alfred Payton, signing Bobby Portis, uh, Taj Taj Gibson, Reggie Bullock. I mean, they're, they're not bad signings. Obviously, they're nice depth pieces. Yeah, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, and this team was <laughs> built so poorly that it's going to take a few years before they're they're good again. But I mean, I'm with you. I really like what they did this year, and I mean, if they're in the playoffs you know, in two years, three years, I'm not going to be surprised because yeah, like you said, a lot of contracts are coming up in 2021. You've got Giannis, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, like they match theirs up. So they could be free agents at the same time. Um, LeBron, I'm trying to think who else I saw, I saw a thing on ESPN today, but there's a lot, there's a lot of guys that are going to be free agents in 2021. And the Knicks hopefully are going to have that young core and people are going to want to go there. Um, So I wouldn't say it's over for Knicks fans, but it's obviously just a, a a little bit of a setback, a lot of disappointment because you want Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but there's some risk there. I mean, maybe it's a good thing they didn't get him. Uh, but let's let's keep on going here. There's still a lot. I mean, so much has happened in uh, this year's free agency. It feels like more than most years. Am I alone in thinking that, or is it just like have I? I, never- I think this is, I think every year we kind of say that, but yes, I, I agree. This this year's free agency has had a lot of. A lot of a lot of twists, but also a lot of big big deals. That usually there's you know a highlight deal of the of the summer, and and this year has been five or six of those highlight yeah. deals. Well, and I and I feel like the more we use social media, the more like it becomes a big thing because you know before it was just like okay he's signing there and and that's that, but now we get like minute by minute update of like you know what food they served them in the meetings and like all that sort of thing right. kind of adds fuel to the fire. And I mean, I really like it. I think it's a lot of fun, but we've, I feel like we've, we've still got a lot more to cover. Um, uh, let's talk about DeMarcus cousins. Uh, it was kind of a tough off season for him. He, 
He missed a lot of the regular season, um, but he he picked it up in the playoffs. He showed flashes of his former self, and now he signed a veteran minimum for with the Lakers after there was just no market for him whatsoever. Do you think that you know we've seen the last of DeMarcus Cousins, or can he revamp his career again alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James? I think I think the word revamp is a is a good word to use. Um, I think what it, what Anthony Davis um, brings for Demarcus Cousins is that nice, solid, consistent, you know, familiar kind of play style that he's used to. Mm-hmm. But I think LA is they're not really trying to build a big big three. He's not a part of their big three. They're trying to build a pair and surround that pair with pieces. And so I think that's kind of the new definition of Demarcus Cousins is he's more of a piece at this point. Um, that's going to be a solid, a solid player who puts up double doubles, nice, big, solid double doubles and could be the key to, you know, kind of the Draymond green in a sense, the kind of glue that keeps this Lakers team together. But then again, that's, that's if he's successful there. Yeah, no, that that's true. And obviously there's a, a big risk there because I mean, most people would take a contract like you know, the veteran minimum for a guy like DeMarcus Cousins. But I know for some teams, they didn't want to do it because there's obviously um, chemistry issues. I know that was one of the reasons why the Celtics wanted to stay out of it because, I mean, they struggled enough last year. They didn't want to go for a guy like that again. Um, But realistically, let's say all goes well for DeMarcus Cousins. He starts showing improvement. Do you think he's going to be given a max contract come next offseason on on any team? No, there's no way he gets a max. I don't understand why he took a minimum. I guess he just really wanted to play in L.A., but this you know, this is his second year in a row doing that. I think he's, at this point, he's like a probably like a 12 to 15 mil a year guy if he, if he just shows consistency without being a superstar, which, you know, three years, 45 mil, that's, that's per, that sounds like a DeMarcus Cousins number to me at this point. Yeah, no, especially, especially you know, being on the tail end of his, of his prime. Uh, almost 30 years old, 29 years old now. Um, I mean, does anyone's guess to see how, you know, how he's going to improve? But if anyone can really help him, in, you know, get back to who he was, I feel like Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the perfect duo to help him do that. Yeah, and and I think he has good relationships with the two of them as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've. I'm going to just go through rapid fire here um, on these last few free agents that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Um, and essentially, I just want you to say hit or miss uh, and why it was a hit or why it was a miss. So let's go ahead and start right here. Uh, Derek Rose to the Pistons. Uh, hit. He's, you know, last season he proved himself again. Pistons need some kind of flash, something to keep their market up in Detroit. So I'd say that's a hit. Isaiah Thomas to the Wizards. Isaiah Thomas to the Wizards is a miss. I don't really think they need the guard play, and Isaiah Thomas has passed his prime. Chris Middleton re-signing with Milwaukee. This is a hit miss. Um, it's a hit on the it, it, it's a hit on the re-signing um, to have him back there. He gels well. It'll keep Giannis hopefully keep Giannis home next offseason. But the contract's too big. I feel like they could have gotten him to take a hometown discount. Uh, Vucevic re-upping with the Magic. That's a hit. They they need to finally hang on to a center in in Orlando. Tobias Harris re-upping with the Sixers. That's a hit. That they're getting loaded in in Philadelphia. I think that they could be the number one team in the East next year thanks to Tobias staying. 
Jabari Parker signing with the Atlanta Hawks. I guess that's a hit for the veteran presence, um, but it kind of gets washed out by Chandler Parsons going to the Hawks. So I, I'll give that a semi hit. I, honestly, I really like it. Uh, you know, Jabari Parker's only 24. Um, he's shown yeah. flashes of being a really he's talented player. Yeah. He's experienced. I mean, he's just hit a lot of injuries. And, I mean, the Hawks, the Hawks are looking good. You like they did really oh, well yeah. in the draft this year, um, building their team. You've got you know Trey Young, John Collins have been there, Kevin Herter, uh, Cam Reddish, and then DeAndre Hunter. So yeah, obviously they have a solid starting five, um, and then you pair it with with you know hopefully someone who can get their career going again in Jabari Parker. I it could be very underrated. Um, yeah, honestly. it could turn out very well. I think it's I mean I think it's good veteran presence that could you know be a nice bench piece so we'll see i know how you're gonna i know how you feel about this one i'm gonna ask you anyways uh, um harrison barnes re-signing with the kings for like what 22 million or something like that yeah that's gonna be a fat miss for me dog <laughs> i'm not a harrison barnes fan i think he's just uh who's a player i can compare to he's just an overrated insert generic player that can hit mid-range shots and hold on to the ball way too much he, he kind of reminds me of Andrew Wiggins a little bit. I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. That would be my comparison. But, but worse. But worse, yeah. That's honestly my pick for worst move of the offseason. Like, uh, the, the Kings made... I don't every- know. The Hawks took on Chandler Parsons' deal. Yeah, but they're still rebuilding. They can do stuff. Like, all of their best players are on rookie deals. Like, they can do stuff like that. Like, the it's Kings... Well, the Kings, for example, literally had been making right moves. Everything started to look up. Then they let Willie Colley Stein go to the Warriors for four point two million over two years, and then re-sign Harrison Barnes. Like, yeah, I, that was bad. I, I, like, they just kind of set themselves back a couple years because you even wait next year and maybe get like a fringe All Star player instead of a guy like Harrison Barnes who is not good, uh, to put it in the the nicest terms I possibly can. He's uh, not good. Okay, a few more here. Hassan Whiteside traded to the Blazers. That's a hit for the Blazers. It fills that uh, hole that Cantor's going to be leaving as Nurkic is out, and Whiteside's on a one-year deal, so I'd say that's a hit. Uh, Cantor to the Celtics. That's also a hit. Celtics needed to, you know, he's not he's not going to be Al Horford for him, but he proved himself last year in Portland, and he'll he'll kind of try to fill that gap. Yeah, no, he, he'll be he'll average a double double for sure. Um, yeah, be a solid rebound so. offensive player. Uh, final one, JJ Redick to the New Orleans Pelicans? Um, this one's this one's an interesting one. I'm going to go with hit because it adds some veteran presence and shooting to this team. But at the same time, I think they're trying to rebuild, and so I thought it was kind of weird to sign an older guy like that. I mean, it worked for the Sixers. Like, they, did, they were in a similar scenario when they signed him. So I feel like, I, I mean, I like it just from the fact that, like, he, he seems to do well just filling in the cracks, you know, being a guy that can do just a little bit of everything. Um, but before I let you go here, uh, let's just kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, overall offseason and then a few, just a few predictions for, for next season. So uh, first things first, who won the offseason right now so far um, and who lost this offseason? Okay, my winning team is going to be a little bit different. Um See, most people would, would immediately go and they'd point to the Clippers as, you know, winning this year's offseason just because the huge signing of 
of Kawhi. I mean, I, I don't want to discount their offseason. It was great. But in my opinion, the Paul George trade was just they gave up too much. Um, and so I'm actually – I have a weird one. Uh, I have to go with the, the Utah Jazz. Okay, um, I like that. They lost Ricky Rubio and Jay Crowder and, you know, some pieces like Grace Nell and Kyle Korver. But they added Mike Conley, who's, you know, kind of supercharges their backcourt with Donovan Mitchell. Added Bojan, who I really like. And then some depth in Ed Davis, Jeff Green, Emmanuel Moutier. So, I mean, Davis is uh, a good replacement for losing Derek Favors. Uh, Moutier is, you know, a good guard to put behind Exum. And Jeff Green, Jeff Green is... Yeah, he's, he's Jeff Green. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a solid. He's, yeah, he's a solid player. He's a solid all-around player. And so between those three, I think that that puts this puts them really high in the West. Uh, my honorable mention would be the the Pelicans, and and then of course the Clippers. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, before before we move on, or before I give who I thought won the offseason, um, I I kind of disagree with you a little bit. Um, I think it's too early to tell whether or not they gave up too much. Because obviously, um, when the Spurs... If they win a championship, it's worth it. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Not. Like, that that was exactly my point. Like, I, I still believe that the Raptors won that DeMar DeRozan trade for Kawhi Leonard and I Danny Green, even though neither of them are still on the Raptors after one season. Like, you win a championship, and that buys you about 10 to 12 years of good grace with your, with your fan base. So, it doesn't matter that they gave up, you know, like a ton of picks over their next eight years and basically gave up their ability to grow a team uh you know they win a championship and all be if they win a championship for the los angeles clippers like they're good for the next 50 years like they waited 50 years to win one the first time so if they can win it they're going to be good for a long time because those fans are just happy to be better than la like you you are better if you're better than la when la's at their peak or the the lakers of course then 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 you won that trade honestly that's i I agree i agree i just i think that it it definitely Long term puts them at higher at a higher risk than than some other moves this off season, like the Nets. You know they signed some big guys, but long term they still got that young talent. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, so I'm I'm with you. Honorable mention: Clippers, um, Jazz, Pelicans, especially. Pelicans are very close in my mind because you good draft. You, yeah, good draft. You set yourself up for a while now. You know, obviously growing into the team and that sort of thing. Um, but my number one, like who the team in my mind that won the off season was the Philadelphia 76ers because you, you re-upped, uh, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. The thing you struggled with was you didn't have a guy who'd been there in the playoffs before you lose Jimmy Butler, get Josh Richardson, a young, talented guy. And then, uh, you obviously, uh, you add a guy like Al Horford, who's been in the playoffs before and has won before and can give you that veteran leadership. So in my mind, that's the team that won um, this year's NBA offseason. So, okay, who who lost it for you? Who who had the worst NBA offseason? Oh, man. Um, well, like we've already discussed, it was not the Knicks mm-hmm. that, that lost it for me. I don't think the Wizards had a great offseason. Um, they lost Jabari Parker, Trevor Risa, Sadoransky. Um, the Pacers also had some losses. The Cavs literally didn't make a single move. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but I would say personally, my the toughest one for me, even though they were able to re-sign Chris Middleton, was the Milwaukee Bucks because mm-hmm. they lost Malcolm Brogdon, who's yeah. a I mean a great bench piece. Uh, Nikola Mirotic goes to Europe, and Tony Snell's out of there, and they added uh, Giannis's older brother, Robin Lopez, to complete the Lopez pair, <laughs> and Wesley Matthews. So, 
I'm not a fair fan of that. Um, however, honorable mentions go to the Hornets, who lost Kemba for Terry Rozier, and <laughs> and the Raptors, who lost Kawhi Leonard for Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Oh. <laughs> oh man, when when you put it that way, it sounds completely <laughs> awful. Um, yeah, those no, I, were awful. <laughs> I, I I'm with you there. I I agree. Um, um, I'm I'm with you there. I agree that you know they had poor off seasons. I think it's it's close. It's a tie for me, um, in the sense that it's a tie between the Hornets and the the Kings for me. Because obviously, like you said, you lost Kemba Walker for Terry Rozier, but it's more of just Michael Jordan's complete ownership with the Hornets, um, his inability to build a team around Kemba. I mean, you have an All Star starting point guard cal- caliber guy on your team, and you have so many years to rebuild you know, build a team around him, sign some guys with him. And the best you could do is Malik Monk and Cody Zeller. Like, I feel like that's just completely disappointing um, to the fan base. And, you know, just kind of proves yet again, that there are players that aren't successful immediate or aren't successful going into the front office. Like just because you have a mind for the game doesn't mean you can make the right moves, but also the Kings. I think they, they had a chance to, to, you know, do something big. They had a lot of cap space. Um, I wouldn't say they were in the running for a lot of spots, but that didn't mean that they had to pay Harrison Barnes all that money. Like I remember when he opted out of his player option, everyone was like, man, that is ridiculous. Like, where is he going to get 25 million elsewhere? And then boom, he turns around and gets 22 million a year over the next three years. So those are the two teams in my mind that lost it. Um, definitely the Raptors. Like when you, when you worded it that way, the Raptors <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely are up there too. But yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> That Kawhi for Rondé Hollis Jefferson trade. Yeah, that, <laughs> that just oh man, that that's. But the Raptors are still set up, so I'm not. Oh too yeah, worried. no, I mean you've you've got Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Marcus All, Fred VanVleet. They're they're in a good they're in a good place. They're they're going to make the playoffs next year, and they want they want a title. Yes, and then an incomplete grade on almost everybody's power rankings for this is the Thunder, because of course they still are not done with their trades necessarily, and they haven't made their picks yet. But I think the Thunder at least in my mind, are pretty high up on my list in terms of um, off-season grades considering the amount of pieces they added because they weren't ready to win a championship right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that, you know, that's where I put it. Yeah, if the, if the Heat get Russell Westbrook, I don't care what they give up. Like, honestly, I genuinely don't care what they give up. They win the off-season in my mind. Because you, you, turn, so. you turned, like, a garbage, an empty garbage can with, like, a half bag of chips into a, a team that, like, could potentially be a top four team in the East, you know, if they get Russell Westbrook. I think they did. They had a great offseason regardless, just moving themselves away from luxury tax and getting a, a star in Jimmy Butler. But, yeah, the Thunder are definitely up there. I mean, it, it's, it remains to be seen what they can do with what they've got. I mean, I love Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis. Like, those are those are two underrated guys, but... They're not the best player on a, on a playoff team. No, no, no. They're... they're OKC is going to struggle this year, um, definitely. I I think it's there's no question about yeah. it whether whether they get rid yeah. of Russell Westbrook or not. Agree. Well, I mean, this is it's been about an hour. For some reason, we always just talk forever when it comes to oh boy us being on the podcast. We just just don't stop talking. But just uh, don't. They're like, please stop talking. Yeah. No one's listening at this point. No, everyone's everyone's clicked off already. If you guys have clicked off or haven't clicked off and you're still listening, big ups to you. Really appreciate you guys getting through the entire episode with us. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I, I like breaking down everything that's happened because there's just been so much that happened. I mean, we didn't even talk about like a lot of stuff. 
Like we, yeah. we left, we left out so many things that we could be discussing. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for the episode. Hayden, thank you for coming on and, and talking with me about it. Uh, you can thank find, you. Yeah. You can find episodes of the podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts. I mean, wherever you get your podcasts, honestly, Um, But thanks, you guys, for listening, and we will see you next week with another episode.